it was April 12, 1861, when Confederates fired on Fort Sumter, South Carolina, and began officially what began the Civil War. This war would rage for just under four years as April 9, 1865, General Lee surrendered at Appomattox Courthouse. The Civil War, of course, was the bloodiest uh, war of all of American history, primarily because we were fighting each other. And so casualties on both sides were all American, and so it was the bloodiest of battles. Shortly after the end of the war, as early as May of 1865, people began to come and to memorialize those who had died in the Civil War, both north and south. And, and so there's a lot of discrepancies on where Memorial Day came from and who started it and what was the official. But as early as 1865 and then finally in 1971, it became a national holiday that was to be commemorated on the last Monday of May. And it was not no longer just celebrating just those who had died in the Civil War, but all who had died in combat for our nation. And so tomorrow, of course, is Memorial Day, and we celebrate and give thanks for those who have given their lives for the freedoms that you and I hold dear. And so because of the fact that it was tomorrow is Memorial Day, and as I thought about what I would preach, I wanted to tie in a little bit with that theme and a little bit about the battles that you and I face. And whether you understand it or realize it or not, we are in a conflict. We are in a conflict that originated before time began. The Bible tells us that before the beginning of time, before God created Adam and Eve and before he spoke the worlds into existence, that Satan or Lucifer decided that he wanted to be equal to God. And so it began a war in the heavens, and of course it was a war that would only have one outcome. And in the end, God always wins, but we are still in the middle of that conflict, and our, our outcome is assured. But between now and then, we have a battle that we fight, and we have questions. I would tell, ask you this, maybe the question is not whether you're in the battle, but are you going to be on the winning team? There's only one team that's going to win, and that is God's team. That is the only side that is going to, to win. The question is, are you and I on his team? It is an unseen conflict. We don't see it played out in, in the natural, or maybe we do if we're attuned to what's going on. We see the various conflicts around us, but very seldom do we think about it in spiritual terms, and we think about it most often in natural terms. But it's unseen conflict. It's, it's not like the old B-Westerns. If, you, if you're a Western fan like I am and you see the old B-Westerns, you always knew the good guy and the bad guy. The good guy, man, he's got the white hat on. And the bad guy, he's got the dark hat and the dark clothes. And they, they made it obvious as they could about which side was which. It's not so obvious in the day in which you and I live at best, it is like guerrilla warfare where the enemy is attacking us and we don't see him. We don't see what's coming and we're, we're attacked and we're buffeted on, on various sides. 
Maybe, though, I would say it's, it's more like chemical or biological warfare. It's going on around us, but we can't see it. We don't see the enemy. All we see are the effects of the enemy that is attacking you and I. In the book of Ephesians, and it's where we're going to go in just a moment, there is a pattern that I have told you about before. It is Paul's pattern of putting the indicative before the imperative. Look at your neighbor say, the indicative before the imperative. Now, if you remember, what that means is this, that Paul will state what God has done, and he will state various truths about what God has done or things that are true in the kingdom of God, and then he will give us commands that you and I are to follow because of what is true. I was telling somebody, I was doing a Bible study on Friday, and, and there is a role that works play in our salvation. It's just works don't bring about our salvation. We do works because we are already saved. It's not that we do nothing. We get saved and we do nothing, but works follow salvation. They do not precede salvation. In the same way, Paul will state these truths about God's Word. He says, because this is true, and because God has done all of these wonderful things for us, such as putting us in heavenly places, and He's given us all kinds of blessings, and He's given us salvation by grace through faith, and all manner of wonderful things, he said, now live a certain way. And in the book of Ephesians, he speaks of, after all of this indicative, he gives us imperatives about unity and he gives us information about equipping gifts and then he gives us a lot of information about living holy and removing sin out of our lives. He talks about personal and family relationships and then he ends with spiritual warfare. He ends with the battle that you and I are facing and To that end, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. And with the Lord's help, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to finish this this whole passage here. But I want to look at the first paragraph of this section. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation today. He says this, a final word. After all of those things I've talked about, after all of those... uh, things that God has done and after all of these commands to live holy and be holy and, and to have right relationships with your family and so on and so forth. He says, I want to now give you a final word. And that is this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So just for a few minutes today, I want to preach about understanding the unseen battle. Understanding the unseen battle. And and I will tell you, this is not going to be a detailed excurses or of everything there is about spiritual warfare i'm just going to look at just the text today and extrapolate a little bit about what this text says and then next week we'll look at a different part of the text but i I want to bring to your attention three essentials about 
the battle that you and I are in and about understanding this battle. And the first is this, that our battle requires receiving supernatural strength from the Lord. It requires God giving us supernatural strength. He says it this way, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Now you've heard me, maybe if you've been here a while, you've heard me as I would exegete various passages of Scripture and and throw out some Greek uh, terminology, and, and I'm going to do that again today. But just looking at that text, it would make you think that you and I need to go out and to make ourselves strong. If, if you were to tell somebody, you need to get stronger, you need to be stronger, you're not telling them that you're going to give them strength, you're telling them to go out and lift some weights and make yourself stronger. When I was, uh, and this was probably 1992 or so, and the church, my dad pastored in Blue Springs, one of the uh, chiefs, uh, Kansas City Chiefs starting offensive linemen went to our church, and he had a, a friend that would come with him who was on the practice squad he didn't quite he couldn't quite make the team big guy but he wasn't quite strong enough and so I mean he was constantly trying to make himself stronger so that he could make the team and you would get this idea that being strong is it's what you have to do but when you look at the the syntax of the Greek language and you understand that that what Paul is writing here is he is giving a present passive imperative and what that means is it is a command be strong. But it is a passive verb, which means it is not something you actively do. You cannot make yourself strong. It is something that is done to you. In Greek, if an, it's an active verb, it's something that you as the subject are doing. If it's a middle, ver, uh, middle tense, it's something that you as the subject are doing to yourself. But if it's passive, it's you as the subject, something is being done to you. So he says, be strong, and it's present, which means it is always to be happening. It is a continually allowing yourself to be strengthened by God. That God is the source of our strength. He is the source of our help, but it is not us who are out to get his strength. It is him who will strengthen us if we allow him to do it. Another thing that I I typically use is... and look at is this, is that when the Bible gives us commands, the Bible gives us commands because it is not an automatic. Why would Paul tell us, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, to be strong in the Lord if we were always just strong in the Lord? If we didn't need to get strong in the Lord, why would he tell us that? He would just be like, you know, aren't you thankful God has made us strong? That's those indicatives that have come forward come before this but now he says i'm giving you a command to be strong because it is not an automatic in the christian life that you can walk around with spiritual power and authority it is only by god's help and by god's grace that you have that and understand this that our power is futile in in the spiritual battle that we're in it doesn't matter how strong you think you are our power is of no benefit And when you think that you're strong, the Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
It's when you know that you can't do it by yourself and when you know that you need his help and when you know that it is only by his power that you can make it, then he will strengthen you and then he will empower you for the battle that you and I are in. The Old Testament prophet said it this way, it's not by might nor by power, but it is by his spirit, says the Lord. Samson was the Bible's strong man. In fact, people depict Samson, and when you see Samson, he's always pretty buff. Not quite like me. But they depict him as, as having, you know, the bodybuilder type. He's got big muscles and all of this. And maybe he did. But even if he did, his muscles didn't do any of the work. He was strengthened by the power of God. It wasn't that his muscles, it wasn't that he's doing a lot of push-ups and calisthenics or, or lifting rocks, competing in the strongest man in the world competition. It was God's power that was supernaturally placed on him that enabled him to do everything that he did. Our strength is of no value. It is only his strength. But even though it is God's strength that is at work in us and, and through us, and even though you and I cannot strengthen ourselves, we must put ourselves in a position to allow God to strengthen us. We can't make ourselves strong, but we can resist God making us strong. Or we can position ourselves in a way that He is not going to make us strong. For Samson, his strength and his power came not from what he did, but from what he did not do. He didn't drink wine, and he didn't touch dead things, and he didn't cut his hair. And God just gave him that. For us, it is both a what we do as well as what we don't do. It is prayer. It is fasting. It is spending time in God's Word. It is being in corporate worship. It is being around the people of God that allows us to receive the strength of God. You don't receive God's strength when you're just going on your merry way and you're not talking to Him and you're not doing the things of God. But when you do the things of God, God will strengthen you. When you spend time in reading and studying the Bible, He will strengthen you. When you spend time abstaining from food and fasting, God will strengthen you. He will, he will speak to you. When you spend time praising God, He will strengthen you. In fact, when you abstain from sin... God's power and strength will reside in you. Just like with Samson, we can have strength when we resist doing the things that are not pleasing to God. His strength will remain in us. But it is God's strength, it is supernatural strength that you and I need for the battle that we're fighting. Secondly, our battle requires standing firm against every demonic strategy. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. I'm not going to get into too much detail here, but there are a number of strategies that the devil uses on the people of God. One strategy is that he convinces us to live for the present instead of living for eternity. That when you live for the moment, 
that we become just like everybody else and we're seeking for whatever we can get right now. We become just like the hedonists of the world who follow the principle that if it feels good, do it. And we're like, man, we follow and fall into the same kind of trap if we're not careful that we're just going along with whatever feels good at the moment instead of living for eternity. We can also fall into the trap of of living for the applause of men and living for whatever people want to think of us and keeping up with the Joneses. Oz Guinness, a British writer, said it this way. He said, I want to live for an audience of one. It really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks and what anybody has to say. I'm not living for them. I'm living for Jesus Christ and Him alone. And so if we're not careful, we get distracted and we care about what everybody else thinks to the detriment of what he thinks. And so we need to live for eternity and we need to live for an audience of one. The enemy will use distraction on us. Keeping us from being focused on what's important and keeping us being focused on what we need to do and we'll get busy doing everything else. We get distracted enemy will cause us to be discouraged anybody face any discouragement I face it all the time I'm not a depressive type of person but I am a type a person and I have gold and when things aren't going like I think they should be I'm like man what's the deal and then God will come in I'll be like, okay yeah it's no big all right you got this But we can get discouraged and give up on whatever God is calling us to do. The enemy will do his best to discourage us. The enemy will do his best to to cause us to be apathetic and just not care about the things of God or what God is doing. The enemy will try to, to get us off of our mission of reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The enemy will even try to get you to thinking that you can fight the battle on your own. You don't have time for prayer. You don't have time for the Word. You got this. And then you get weak and the enemy's like, no, I got you. That the enemy will will seek to distract us. And understand this, our mission is not to hold the fort. There's an old Christian song, a hymnal, Hold the Fort. Now, I don't know if I've ever actually heard other than people make fun of the song, Okay. That is not what we are called to do. We are not called to hold the fort. We are called to take new territory. We're called to reach new people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the best way to defeat the enemy is to take people that are on his side and get them on Jesus' side. To take people that are following him and get them to follow Jesus. Get them to come to him. It's not about, let's just keep ourselves secluded right here. But it's about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would tell you, there are no pacifists in God's army. If you're a pacifist and you're not trying to reach people, the devil has already won. It's that simple. If you're not following him, you're not doing what he has called us to do, the devil has already used one of his strategies and has gotten you off mission And now, he's got you right where he wants you. If you don't recognize that you and I are in a battle, 
the enemy strategy has already begun to pay off in your life. We are in a spiritual battle. There are only two goals in the Christian life. Just two. Maturity and multiplication. We are to mature in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're to grow more holy and to live more righteous. We're to get better at following Him. But we're also to multiply. We're to make disciples. And they are not sequential, nor are they mutually exclusive. But we are to mature and to multiply simultaneously. And I would tell you that if the enemy can get us to focus on only one, he's winning the battle. If he gets us to focus only on multiplication and we make a bunch of shallow Christians who can't do anything and can't, aren't actually been effective in the kingdom, that's not really helpful. But if we get so focused on maturing and becoming, man, I'm so Christ-like and, and I've got all my act together and everything's cleaned up in my life, but you're not reaching people for Jesus Christ, then you're not taking new territory and the enemy doesn't have to worry about Then all you're doing really is you're just holding the fort. He has called us to mature and to multiply. And anything less than that means that we are giving in to the enemy and we are falling prey to one of the strategies of the enemy I may have mentioned it not I don't know if I've mentioned it in a from the pulpit on a Sunday but there's two couple of different things that you could if you want to get and understand what's going on in the spiritual realm I'll give you actually three things C.S. Lewis wrote screw tape letters 50 plus years ago and it is demons writing letters back and forth to each other about how they are distracting Christians and keeping people from coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Randy Alcorn did the same kind of thing with Lord Falgren's letters where he, he wrote that with letters going back and forth between a, a, a higher up demon and his and his peon demon about how they're distracting people. And I would encourage you to listen to that. It will be eye-opening to you to understand that what you think is just normal is really the enemy at work to distract you. What's really, what you think is just kind of coincidence may really be the enemy trying to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. It's been a long time since I've listened to either one of those or or even this last one, which was Frank Peretti's This Present Darkness series. And if you're not careful, you can read those things and you can get scared. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. If we will keep our eyes focused on him and allow him to strengthen us, we don't have to worry about the enemy. But what we cannot do is be oblivious that he is at work in us. He is using strategies and He is after us to keep us from doing the things of God. When Jesus does, He tells the parable of the sower and the seed. He gives four different kinds of soil. 
and these four different kinds of soil, I don't think Jesus is giving us percentages. I don't, I, maybe he is. But in three of the four kinds of soil, when the word of God is preached, it takes root and begins to spring up. One of them, it does, there's, no, there's no soil, so it doesn't take root. It's just rocky. But the other two bad soils in the story, it begins to spring up a little bit. And the cares, the Bible says, the cares of life come in and they choke it out. And the sun scorches it. Basically, it, people hear the gospel, they respond to the gospel, and then something happens to keep them from following through on what the Word of God is telling them. And the Word of God is trying to take root in their life, and it can't. What is that? It is the enemy of our soul distracting us and getting us carried uh, thinking about other things. In the short time we've been here, I've seen it. People come in and go, man, that was awesome. Two weeks later, you never see them again because they get distracted. Reach out to people, well, I'm busy and I can't come to church. I can't do the things of God. I've got other things. They're living for the wrong thing. And just because we've served God for a long time does not mean we are immune to the strategies of the devil. He's not just after the new babies. He is after every Christian to keep them from doing what it is that God has called us to do and from what God has called us to be. And I will tell you, I sent a text to Pastor Cedric yesterday and I was like, I, I'm not feeling good, but I'm preaching tomorrow no matter what. I was like, if I have to get on the stool and sit down, and maybe it's just my imagination, and maybe it is coincidence, but we are fighting a battle. And the devil knows what I'm preaching because I put it on Facebook. And you know the devil's on Facebook. And I'm like, I don't care what, what I have to do. Unless I have a fever, I don't want to put anybody at risk. I'm showing up and I'm preaching. Because whoever I got to preach wasn't going to preach this message. And I was like, hey, the devil ain't winning. And I didn't want to lead worship anyway, so I'm glad Pastor Cedric was able to be here. But I would have done that sitting on the stool too if I had to. Because it needs to be preached. It needs to be talked about. We need to understand that we are in a battle. And that God is with us. And He is fighting for us, but only if we're fighting. God very seldom says, hey, just sit over there, I got this. No, he t the four lepers, they actually have to go walk into the camp of the enemy. He doesn't just wipe out the enemy. You actually have to walk around the walls of Jericho. That didn't do anything, but you had to participate in what God was doing. Gideon's 300 men. God didn't say, I don't need anybody. And he didn't, but he was going to use people. And so they actually had to go and blow trumpets and break the pitchers and have the candles already in them. And so God will fight for us if we are fighting. But if we're sitting on the sidelines, God's got, God's sitting back going, when you, when you get ready to fight, we'll do this. But if you're not going to follow me all the way, then guess what? You're on your own. Thirdly, our battle requires recognizing the enemy that we face. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It is very easy for us to have conflict with people or policies or whatever and forget that we are in a spiritual battle. That the people that are pushing and promoting the agenda of the enemy are really just pawns in this process. They're buying into whatever the devil is selling them. They don't have the Spirit of God. They don't look to the Word of God to guide them and and get them on the path that they need to go on. Which means we have to divorce the physical and the human from the Spirit that is behind them and the Spirit that are promoting them. At the end of the day, it is evil rulers and evil authorities and mighty powers of darkness and evil spirits in heavenly places or in the spirit realm. And I by no means am a, an expert on this, but I do believe that the Bible lays out for us in various places that there is a demonic hierarchy. And In that demonic hierarchy, there are rulers of certain areas, geographic regions. We see this somewhat play out in in the book of Daniel. When Daniel is fasting for 21 days, he's seeking an answer from God. He wants God to give him an answer. And after 21 days of prayer and fasting, the angel shows up and said, I heard you and came on the first day. I started on my journey. He said, but the prince of Persia withstood me. So for 21 days, God's angel is fighting with the demonic forces, the one that is in charge of the area of Persia. Now, I don't want you to read too much into that and to say, well, that God is, God is man, he's got to overcome the devil all the time. But it's just the way he has set it up. And so the demonic forces, they have rulers over various areas. Just like we have political governments, there, is, there seems to be in the Bible a hierarchy of demonic forces that Paul seems to be laying out rulers and authorities and mighty powers of darkness and he gets up to evil spirits in the heavenly places that are superintending all of these things. But understand that greater is he. That's in you and me than he that is in the world. We don't have to be afraid of the spiritual darkness that we face. We don't have to be afraid of the enemy. Understand that you and I cannot face and fight the enemy with natural means, but we fight the enemy on our knees, spending time in prayer. And we fight the enemy by winning people to Jesus Christ. The next couple of weeks I will do more in depth on the battle and how we fight that. But understand we are in a spiritual battle. As the musicians come, this idea of a spiritual hierarchy, a demonic spiritual hierarchy, a lot of people 
talk about it. A lot of people have written books about it, preached about it. And when we decided to come to Olathe to plant a church, and I say decided, obviously God is at work in that process and He's leading us to Olathe. And, and I had done a lot of homework, demographic studies, various things. But what did not register for me initially was the fact that Olathe is the county seat of Johnson County. And the moment I realized that this was the county seat, it's like a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, that's why God wants us here. Because there are demonic forces at work. And if we can plant an outpost of God's kingdom in Olathe, if we can reach Olathe, then we can reach the rest of Johnson County. We can break the spiritual ruler of Olathe with God's power. And when you look at our, our numbers, and it seems like we've got a long, a long way to go. But I know that God can do it in just a moment. That He can transform what we're doing and that the seed that has been sown can all of a sudden come to fruition and God can raise up a mighty army. You and I are in a battle. You don't have to look for a devil behind every bush. You don't have to look for every bad thing that happens and go, man, that's the devil did it. Sometimes it's just life. But if everything becomes just life, then you miss out on the battle that we're fighting. And we're trying to then survive on natural means instead of spiritual means. Just stand together. It was early on in the Civil War just a little over three months into it the North would call this the first battle of Bull Run the South would call it the first battle of Manassas took place in Manassas near Manassas Virginia close to Washington, D.C. And the story is that a lot of the elite and the, the wealthier people in Washington, D.C., they, they decided that they were going to go out and have a little picnic in the countryside and, and watch the battle being fought. And for a while, they're eating their sandwiches and their chicken and Everything's going good until the tide turned. And the south began to overrun the north. And the people who were sitting out on the sidelines watching this had to pick up all their stuff and began to flee because the enemy all of a sudden was upon them. If we're not careful, we can be sitting on the sidelines 
go, man, look at those people fighting that battle. Not realizing that we ourselves are in a spiritual battle. And if we think we're sitting on the sidelines, we're already on the losing side of the equation. That the enemy has us where he wants us. What do I want you to do is understand there are no sidelines. If you are in the kingdom of God, you are in a battle. So recognize that you are in a spiritual battle. Seek the strength that only comes from the Lord. And let me just say this here. You can get strength when you're doing things on your own, reading your Bible, praying, all of that's good, but you also get strength. And I think you would have experienced that today. You get strength when you come to corporate worship and you spend time in His presence with His people. That God does stuff in our hearts and in our lives in a way that He doesn't do it when we're just by ourselves. So seek His strength. Stand firm and fight. And then lastly, multiply and mature. Don't focus on just one. You have to do both. Growing in in relationship with Him, growing in holiness and righteousness and becoming everything He wants you to be. But you also have to reach out to people and share the gospel of Jesus Christ.